Welcome to today's Routing Table podcast. My name is Melchior and I'm here with my co-host Rick. Hi. Today's guest is Juniper Network's distinguished engineer, Julian Lucek. Welcome, Julian. Thanks, Melchior. Hi, Julian. Could you shortly introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, I've been in Juniper for about um, 20 years now. My main technical interests are um, routing protocols, MPLS, um, segment routing, of course, and also um, SDN controllers, things like Northstar and Contrail. Focusing first on on segment routing, because it's a lot you do. <laughs> um, uh, what is segment routing as as a concept? It's a way of steering packets across a network with um, various um, degrees of freedom. So on the one hand, you could just um, steer a packet along the shortest path to its um, destination, or at the other end of the spectrum, you could be very precise. You could precisely um, dictate the exact sequence of hops um, a packet should follow across the network. And then there's various um, degrees in between. You know, you could have a mixture of um, loose and um, strict um, traffic engineering as well. So it's very flexible. Well, you're, you're already introducing a lot of acronyms. Um, and, and I know there's a lot more which we need in order to, ha- to have this conversation about SR. Can you sort of give us an introduction to all the acronyms, like the nodes and binding SIDs and segments and path. Oh, sure. Yes, that's a good idea. So on the one hand, you have node SIDs, which is a way of steering traffic along the shortest path to a node in the network. That node might be the final destination of the packets within your network, or it might be um, a loose hop, if you like, partway along the way to its destination. And as such... Um, It's a way of steering packets as an alternative to using LDP. And so you could actually turn LDP off and just have segment routing instead, which actually reduces the number of protocols um, that you need in the network because the segment routing information is carried using ISIS or OSPF, which everybody needs anyway. So that helps you streamline the number of protocols that you need to have turned on. So it makes... Is SR making my operations easier? Yeah, I'd say so. And another good advantage of using this method, um, the shortest path routing, is that the MPLS label that you have on each hop can be consistent. So say if you have a label of 700, that might be always um, sending traffic to node 700 as a destination, wherever you are in the network. Whereas with LDP, the um, label values change hop by hop and could change if you reboot the routers as well. So it's much more tricky to troubleshoot what's going on um, in an LDP setup compared to um, segment routing using these node SIDs that I've been talking about. So is what are other benefits of, of let's say, deactivating LDP on my network? Is it consistency in the labels is, of course, a very good troubleshooting um, simplification, I would say, makes makes things very deterministic. But are there other benefits for, is, is LDP wrong today? It's not wrong as such. It's just that, um, you know, if you um, replace it with segment routing, it's just um, from the operational point of view, um, one less um, protocol to configure, to test, to um, troubleshoot and um, so on. 
Um, also, um, there are more fancy setups where sometimes you need directed LDP um, sessions so that um, LDP speakers who are not directly connected to each other can know each other's labels, which is needed for particular situations. In the segment routing case, um, you don't need the analogy of the LDP um, targeted session because all of the information needed is flooded in the IGP anyway, so it's known to all of the nodes in the um, domain by default. Right, so there's less state than to manage through the network. Um, I guess there is less state as a consequence because you have um, fewer um, protocol sessions. You don't need these um, targeted LDP sessions, which you know incur a bit of um, control plane um, state to manage them on the routers involved. Can we quickly take it one step back? We're now very deep into the, the, the why and, and the how already, and and we wanted to do an introduction. So yeah, <laughs> and, and and we'll get into the the, the technical deep dive later on. But what what is the the primary use case you would say for SR, and and in perspective to why SR and and why change from MPLS? Right? Or can we do SR with MPLS? Yes, I mean, um, MPLS can be a subset of SR because one manifestation of SR is um, the use of MPLS um, labels for the um, forwarding, which is the primary method that um, has been deployed, um, you know, so far. But, um, well, one useful um, application of um, segment routing is for traffic engineering. And so using a stack of um, labels, you can steer the packets um, through the network end to end. And each um, label can um, denote a particular hop in the network. And so if you have um, an end to end path with um, you know, 10 hops, you can push, um, in fact, N minus one, nine labels onto the packet in order to precisely dictate um, the path that that um, you know, packet should um, follow. And so in the forwarding plane, what would happen is that the ingress router is pushing um, a stack of labels onto the packet, each label denoting a successive hop um, through the network. And as the packet progresses hop by hop, the top label is inspected, which steers the packet onto the next link in the chain. Um, the label's popped and so on until the packet reaches the... Um, destination. As such, it's source routing. So it's the um, stack of labels that's um, pushed onto the packet by the ingress router that dictates the path that the um, LSP follows through the network. Now, it's quite interesting because it's somewhat different to how RSVP works, which is uh, another method of achieving um, traffic engineering. With RSVP, you have um, signaling involved. So you have um, signaling um, along the path that the LSP is going to um, follow in the form of RSVP um, messages. And so you need to keep an eye on control plane state because a core router might have lots of RSVP sessions passing through it, corresponding to all the LSPs that are passing through it. And there's a limit on um, how many sessions a given router can um, hold. With segment routing, um, the transit router is unaware of the existence of the segment routed LSPs. They just exist in the mind of the um, ingress router and of the controller, of the controllers involved. So you don't have um, the concern of um, overloading control plane state on the um, transit router. 
The other side of the coin, however, is that with segment routing, there's no mechanism to reserve bandwidth in band, you know, at the network layer because there are no control plane messages to set up the um, segment routed LSP passing um, through the routers involved in that LSP. And so if you do want to have admission control and um, a sort of bandwidth assignment to an LSP, um, it's very important to have a controller that keeps track of um, that bandwidth. And that's where the North Star controller is very useful. It does that job very well, of course. Summarizing, could you say that SR is uh, especially interesting in just interesting for, for very large networks where you would run into control plane limitations you might run into because of RSVP and and, and so by nature the, the routers having the whole topology or at least the whole label stack in memory? It can be useful in other networks as well because people might want to use the segment routing for completely different reasons like replacement for um, you know shortest path um, routing, um, replacement for LDP. Um, also, it has a good um, unified um, fast protection um, mechanism called TILFA, which can be useful for protecting um, shortest path traffic, can be useful for um, protecting um, traffic engineered um, traffic. And it has a property that it's got full um, coverage. So um, over the years, people have been looking at various, um, you know, sort of fast reroute schemes um, under the sort of general umbrella of IP fast reroute, which also applied to LDP traffic. And the problem with some of those previous schemes was that they didn't have full coverage, which meant that um, depending on the topology and the IGP metrics, there were some cases where um, if you wanted to protect a link or a node um, for traffic going to a particular destination, um, sometimes the protection path just wasn't possible because the um, IGP metrics were not in your favor. So it was impossible to create a loop-free um, backup path. In contrast with um, TILFA, what it can do is um, it can overcome um, situations where the IGP metrics are against you by using strict forwarding in the form of um, adjacency labels that force the packet to travel in the way um, that you want. And so in that way, you can achieve um, 100% um, coverage. And it's something that we have um, you know, in our production code since... Um, you know, quite a few years ago now. So it's quite a useful um, property in itself. That in itself can be a good reason for migrating to segment routing. That's very good. I'm not sure if you if you want to go into that detail now, but on the, uh, let's say, fast reroute uh, use case, I mean, with RSVP, of course, the transit nodes are aware and they are also aware how they should reroute traffic instantly, uh, which is not the case for SR, of course, because uh, like you mentioned, there's no... The, the transit nodes have no idea what service is crossing their links, basically. So how can they uh, work together with the ingress node on, on rerouting traffic if a link of them fails, for example? Right. Yeah. The um, TILFA protection is a local protection. So it's um, something that each node does independently. So each node says to itself, okay, for um, each destination in the um, routing table, in my IGP, um, what would I do if um, this link breaks, which is attached to me? How would I divert the traffic? And um, for each link that it has um, you know, directly attached to it, it needs to do that consideration for each destination in the 
um, IGP um, table. And what it then does is to um, install a pre-calculated protection path into the um, forwarding table, into the packet forwarding engine, um, such that if the link at some point in the future breaks, the traffic just snaps onto that um, protection path in you know just a few milliseconds, in fact. And that protection path is denoted by a stack of labels that's pushed onto the packet in order to steer the packet around the point of failure and eventually make its way towards the um, final destination. Right, that's very useful. Is and with RGP, of course, that that fault is signaled back to the ingress node. Is that also the case with SR or not? Well, with RSVP, um, you've got two methods of protection. Well, and with SR, in some cases. So with RSVP, um, you've got the concept of primary and secondary LSPs, where indeed um, it's the ingress router that's doing the switchover from the primary to secondary LSP when it detects that um, something has um, failed. Um, the same thing is possible with segment routed um, traffic engineered LSP. So it's another um, type of protection. However, the TILFA is most analogous to RSVP fast reroute in that both of those schemes, TILFA and RSVP fast reroute, involve um, a router somewhere in the middle of the network known as the point of local repair um, reacting autonomously if something attached to it breaks, which might be um, an interface link that's directly connected to it or the neighboring node, a downstream node, um, fails. And, you know, the node in question, the point of local repair, works out itself um, what to do to, um, you know, repair the fault. So in a nutshell, both RSVP and segment routing have... Um, you know, local protection, both have end-to-end um, um, path protection for um, traffic engineering. I think what TILFA really brings to the table is full coverage for um, shortest path forwarding um, traffic. So unlike LDP, which is the previous method of doing shortest path forwarding, um, the protection mechanisms for that in the past didn't have full coverage, but the TILFA does bring full coverage for the shortest path traffic as well. Yeah, very interesting. So if we talk about other use cases for SR, I mean, we talked about uh, fast reroute, we've talked about uh, traffic engineering, knowing exactly the exact path through the network. Are, are there like new things possible now that we uh, that we didn't really uh, have any good way to do using LDP or RSVP? One good thing is that um, you've got a good way of doing um, recursion because with segment routing, you could have a traffic engineered LSP, which starts, you know, somewhere, um, you know, perhaps right in the middle of the network. It's right in the core of the network. And you can make traffic get launched onto that um, LSP from a remote location by using a label known as a binding label, which is a label that says to the head end router of that traffic engineered LSP, if you see a packet arrive, um, with this label, then launch the packet onto this LSP. And so you could imagine a situation where you have a sort of chain of traffic engineered LSPs that are going um, in, in various ways across the network. And you could steer um, a packet through a chain of LSPs by having the stack of labels, each corresponding to a particular LSP. But then each LSP in turn is denoted by a stack of labels. So you've got this interesting um, you know, recursion and um, 
you know, sort of nesting in that type of way, which is quite an interesting property of it. Can we bring the discussion a little bit to the um, forwarding plane? We touched, we talked a lot about uh, control plane, uh, TE already. Now, how do I forward traffic? What, what do I use? What, what data plane protocol? Right. Yeah, it's a very good question. So um, in the early days of um, segment routing, the most um, considered data plane was MPLS. So it's the same MPLS um, labels that we're accustomed to from LDP and RSVP and um, so on. It's exactly the same. So from the hardware point of view, um, you know, it's the same label that's being used. Um, I mean, they are being used in somewhat different ways. So, for example, if you're doing um, segment routing-based um, traffic engineering, if you want to um, strictly um, denote the um, path to be followed by the um, traffic, you can use a stack of um, MPLS labels where each label denotes a successive hop um, through the network. And so um, you have, in general, a number of labels equal to the number of um, hops, um, minus one, in fact, because you don't need the label for the um, first hop. While with RSVP, you just have one label that um, changes its value um, hop by hop, that um, value being distributed by the RSVP um, protocol. So although um, both are achieving traffic engineering, both with MPLS labels, they're doing it in a somewhat um, different way. Now, that does lead to a question well, you know, how many labels can you push onto the packet? Because before segment routing came along, the most um, anyone would ever need to push onto the packet in one go would be three or four um, labels. Perhaps if you had a VPN label and then a BGP labeled unicast label and then a local MPLS label, and perhaps you're doing um, fast reroute link protection if a link broke. And, you know, that might imply you're pushing four labels onto the packets. But even that was a sort of corner case in terms of, needing that many labels. Well, with SR, you know, if you've got um, 10 hops across the network, you'd need nine labels if you're strictly um, steering the packet along each hop um, through the network. And so to cut a long story short, people will ask, well, you know, um, how many labels can you push? Nowadays on um, things like MX, we can actually push 16 labels onto the packet in one go. And we did quite a spectacular um, live demo at the MPLS World Congress last year where we had the North Star controller um, computing a rather long path um, through the network, um, which meant it needed to um, push 16 labels. Um, so it sent a PSEP message to the Ingress um, MX of this LSP um, saying, you know, this is the path that this LSP must follow. This is the label stack corresponding to that. And the Ingress route was able to, you know, send packets through that path. So um, nowadays, um, you know, the number of labels you can push onto the packets, not so much an issue as it used to be um, in the past. So that's MPLS. Um, on the other hand, there is another um, data plane um, being discussed for um, segment routing, which is um, called um, SRV6 or SRM6. These are two um, different schemes um, with some similarities and some differences in which, um, in fact, um, packets can be um, steered through an IP version 6 network, including in a traffic engineering manner, 
without needing any MPLS um, labels. In fact, it's just using um, modified um, versions of IPv6 packets to do it. So you're saying with uh, SRV6, obviously I don't need MPLS capable nodes anymore. Do my nodes only need to talk IPv6? It depends. I mean, yes, certainly they're handling IPv6 packets. Um, with SRV6 and SRM6, those packets are somewhat modified. Now, depending on the role of a router in the network, and that determines whether it needs to explicitly support um, SRM6 or SRV6. So if um, you're the ingress node or the egress node, you need to um, support it in the main. Um, on the other hand, if you're a transit node that isn't a traffic engineering hop, if the packet's just passing through, then you're just looking at the IPv6 destination address in, in the normal way. And although there are um, special fields underneath, you as a transit node not involved in traffic engineering don't even um, see those. On the other hand, if you're um, a transit node that is um, involved in um, being a traffic engineering hop um, in the path, then you do need to do manipulations on the um, packet. So you need to be SRV6 or SRM6 aware as a consequence of that. So it depends on the role of the router within the um, network. But certainly you can even envisage a situation where you've got, um, you know, the internet as part of the packet's um, journey. The packet could be starting in a SRV6 or SRM6 um, domain. It could be being steered um, in a traffic engineering manner through that domain. Then it could pass across the internet and the internet routers just look at the um, destination address of the um, outermost um, packet header, so they don't even know it's SR um, M6 or SRV6 going on. And then the packet arrives at the destination domain and again could be steered within that domain towards its final um, destination. So it's quite interesting that you could have, um, you know, the internet as you know part of the packet's journey in that um, type of situation. Very interesting, I would say, to see uh, <laughs> having that as a transit node then. Um, is that also like a, a better use case for using IPv6 as a data plane other than MPLS for better, let's say, inter-provider options? It's, it's uh, yeah, given that um, IP, is, IP is a sort of, you know, ubiquitous way of, um, you know, carrying, um, you know, traffic um, between, you know, different ASs. Um, you can do it with SRMPLS as well, actually, because um, you can do SRMPLS over UDP tunnels. So if you've got a domain that, um, you know, doesn't support MPLS and um, you don't need to do segment routing within that domain, then again, you can just pass packets through transparently by encapsulating the segment routing um, MPLS headers in um, UDP to cross over such domains. I'm, I'm thinking this this is a really interesting use case as well. If you look in the data center, right, if you need a method at the edge to um, uh, to do traffic steering, but within the data center, you typically would run switches, which are not MPLS capable. Uh, but if they would run uh, V6, it's really easy to get your packet from your host, at least to the edge, where the edge then, um, uh, or the, the one side of, of your network, if you have if you have a WAN as well, um, that is SR capable, right? 
Yes, it's very true. And in fact, um, we have a scheme called CRPD, Containerized RPD, which is our routing protocol daemon um, within a um, container. And so, in fact, you can put that on the host and have it um, run um, SRM6 or SRV6 um, to help with actually originating um, the packets from the hosts um, in the way that you um, described. Yes, it's quite an interesting um, way of doing things, actually. And coming back to the differences between MPLS versus IPv6 as a data plane, is there from a protocol level any difference in the applications I can use SR for? Like, is there any difference in fast reroute or recovery in an, in, an, in a V6 model other than MPLS? Actually, it's interesting because the TILFA that um, I mentioned before, um, actually you can use that for... Um, um, you know, SR MPLS or, you know, SRV6 or SR um, M6. So we've done a lot of um, TILFA interop testing for the SR MPLS case in the past. In the last couple of weeks, um, we got involved in a EANTC um, interop where um, TILFA was tested for um, um, SRV6, in fact. So in some of the tests, we were acting as the um, point of local repair, which is the entity that needs to, um, you know, push um, additional, um, you know, hops onto the packet in terms of um, SRV6 traffic engineering hops um, in order to protect against the link going down, um, for example. So those tests went um, very well and will be um, shown at the MPLS World Congress later on this year in a live demo. That's very cool and I think very useful work to be done because uh, yeah, we need all the vendors to cooperate, of course, in this uh, w- with these new developments. Yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah, interrupts very important, of course. Going back to the data center use case, I think um, we touched upon this very quickly by saying where we uh, that Juniper has a product called CRPD that you can run on your host. So that means that now a host can do let's say traffic steering so i would say that that's the true use case for software <laughs> defining the network right don't want to call the acronym here but um, is that also one of the more primary use cases that we're pushing now saying hey you can now have your data center servers and and who is actually influencing that so is that still going to be the network operator going to configure that or is there actually already maybe a use case where we can have, let's say, an application influence, say, all right, I want to steer my traffic out to a certain peering link, for example. Just Yes. I mean, certainly the egress peering engineering is a good um, use case um, for it. So you could envisage, you know, a host, um, you know, and perhaps from the application level point of view, wanting um, to, you know, have a preference for, you know, what type of exit point is used from the um, data center rather than just leaving it to um, sort of chance inverted commas, you, you know, just leaving it to normal routing. You could have it dictated, um, you know, by the um, host that's, um, you know, sending the packet into the um, network, um, certainly. I mean, on the point of egress peering engineering in general, that is another application of um, segment routing as a whole, not necessarily um, related to um, data centers, it can also apply to um, normal peering between BGP 
BGPES is, you know, between different service providers. And so, in fact, there's a way in which you can um, steer packets onto a particular um, peering link once the packet arrives at one of your um, ASBRs ready to go to um, another network ready to be handed over. Um, and so by making sure that the packet arrives at that um, ASBR with the appropriate label, that label tells the ASBR which peering link to steer the packet onto. And nowadays with our Northstar controller, Northstar um, controls that whole process. And so it um, monitors how much traffic each of your routers um, in your network, um, around your network edge, is um, sending to each um, prefix in the um, routing table. And at the moment, which ASBR are they um, sending it through? But then it can actually alter the way those flows are flowing out of your network. So if perhaps one of the um, peering links is getting rather congested and other ones are relatively quiet, which is often the um, case, um, Northstar can arrange to um, you know, move the traffic, first of all, by steering the traffic to um, potentially a different ASBR even, and furthermore, putting the right um, peer um, SID label onto the packet to steer it onto the correct um, peering link to a remote AS that Northstar has um, chosen should be used by the um, packet. Now, traditionally, um, people do this manually, of course. So they're, you know, sort of monitoring the peering links and, um, you know, sort of working out how to reconfigure the routers in order to um, rebalance the way the traffic's um, flowing, which is quite a labor-intensive process. So having it, having it um, happen fully automatically under the control of um, a controller, such as the Northstar controller, of course, is much more um, convenient. And I think it's an interesting um, point in general because what it's a manifestation of is how now segment routing has gone past um, the point of you know implementing you know individual ingredients, different types of um, SID and so on, and actually getting towards quite um, you know elaborate um, solutions that use um, segment routing as um, one of the um, building blocks, but other ingredients also include, you know, analytics, um, closed loop automation, um, controllers making decisions in order to, um, you know, enable um, a high degree of automation um, with respect to um, traffic management, which in the past was done um, very manually um, in a very labor intensive way. So if I if I quickly summarize this, I would say that segment routing enables this because it's so, I would say, simple on the infrastructure level that a high intelligent controller can make all these decisions and then just say to the network, all right, I want you to do this and I don't want you to interfere with anything that I just decided. Is that right? Yes, the segment routing um, gives you quite a lot of degrees of freedom, different ways of steering traffic. Um, you know, you can... Um, engineer traffic within your own network infrastructure, um, you know, control the precise path that a packet follows end to end, or you can do more um, loose traffic engineering where you can give the packet a nudge so it goes through one region via, um, you know, rather than via another region. You can steer the way packets flow out of your network into somebody else's network on the um, peering um, links. And also you can create paths that's, a, you know, a hybrid of, you know, these different um, degrees of freedom. So 
um, it does give you a good um, toolbox um, in order to, you know, be able to um, do these um, types of um, traffic uh, manipulation, traffic management, which really is, um, you know, often quite a major part of the operations of a network infrastructure. So anything that makes that um, less labor intensive is always welcome. Now, there are um, other um, examples of it. Um, for example, if um, you consider the infrastructure of somebody's own network, um, sometimes they can suffer from congestion within their own um, network. Um, like the previous example, it's quite a difficult thing to manage. Um, sometimes a link can approach congestion while other links in the vicinity are relatively um, quiet. And normally, um, you know, certainly traditionally, people you know, try to move the traffic around in a manual um, way. What one can do with a controller such as Northstar, um, it receives a lot of streaming telemetry information from the network, um, such as how much traffic is on each physical link in the network, um, how much traffic is entering each um, segment routed um, traffic engineered LSP. Um, also, it knows the topology of the network in real time through um, BGPLS. And so um, what you can do is to set a threshold. You could say, well, my comfort level in terms of you know, traffic loading on my links within my infrastructure is, let's say, 85%. And if um, one of the links in the infrastructure exceeds that um, threshold, um, Northstar Controller knows this through um, streaming telemetry updates that it's receiving on a quasi-continuous basis. And also, of course, it knows which traffic engineered LSPs are passing through that congested link. And furthermore, it knows how much traffic is entering each of those LSPs at the ingress router, because again, that's reported through streaming telemetry. And so what the controller um, can then do is to work out um, which LSPs are best to move away to ease the congestion. And of course, it has to do that in such a way that it's not causing um, congestion elsewhere. And finally, you know, it sends um, PSEP messages to the ingress routers to um, get them to move the LSPs in the way that the controller has um, computed. And so in that way, the congestion is eased on that um, link that was previously approaching congestion. And this has happened um, without any um, human intervention. Um, you, you know, so it's really making operations a lot easier. We've got some customers who've been using this for more than a year now, and they say that it's greatly um, reduced the amount of manual work in this, um, you know, sort of congestion management. And it's one of the first examples in networking of closed loop automation. Um, closed loop automation is something that's used in many areas of engineering, but up to now hasn't been used in networking much. And now that um, it's become available and people are using it, we see it as a very important stepping stone towards the um, self-driving network where, you know, um, over time we'll get to the point where networks are um, very autonomous in the way they um, run themselves, you know, with a minimum of human um, involvement required. That's very cool. So you're saying that you're already working with customers on it. So SR is nothing, is not new. So customer, it's already in production. Is that right? Is that, it's is been that deployed in quite a lot of networks, um, cloud providers, and also um, some service providers and telcos. So they're the main people who have been 
um, deploying it um, so far, in fact. But, but that's mainly Azure MPLS, right? Um, correct, yeah. yes. Um, I mean, the, the sort of IP version 6 versions are um, a bit more um, niche at the moment. You know, SRMPLS has been around for um, that much longer, so it's um, certainly more um, widespread. What is in in terms of Juniper the, the the status? Where are we? So we're running some box with SRM six. Correct. Yes, um, we've got um, code um, which people can um, you know use themselves in their own labs, or we can um, do um, pox and um, demos as well. So that's um, you know certainly available for um, people to use. Cool. Uh, and I know there's even a, a Linux-based implementation done by Liquid Telecom. They have done their own um, implementation, which um, interoperates with ours. So it's a good, um, you know, sort of manifestation of interop. Um, in fact, um, this was um, SR um, M6 um, interop. In fact, yes, that's correct. Interesting. So if I as a in my network want to, or in my lab want to start deploying Azure M6, want to get my hands dirty, that there's options to get that demo code or? Absolutely, yes, yes. So um, if people talk to their account team, then they can um, initiate um, that and you know get them up and running. So if we touch a little bit on, uh, I know that one of the resources that I used a lot when learning MPLS was one of your books, Julian, which was very, very helpful also in knowing how to go through all the steps of configuration. So is SR similar to set up like LDP MPLS or is it more complex? So can you take us through the steps real quick for, let's say, all right, uh, these three, four things. Right, right. Yes. Using it? Yeah, that's a very good question. So suppose um, somebody um, is doing um, SRMPLS as a replacement to um, LDP, then in terms of configuration, what they need to do is um, on each node, they need to configure um, two pieces of information, actually. One is uh, index, um, which is unique to that particular node. And the other is a label range, a range of MPLS labels that's used for this um, shortest path um, forwarding. And what um, happens is that information is actually propagated via ISIS or OSPF um, throughout the domain. And that allows each router to compute um, what label is required to reach a given destination um, nodes. And if you set up the network in the right way, um, as I mentioned before, that label can be the same um, regardless of who originated the packet or where it is in transit at the moment. You know, the label value just stays the same hop by hop in order to reach a particular um, destination, which is great for um, troubleshooting, of course. So that um, setup is, you know, just um, three or four lines of um, config on each um, router. So that's um, shortest path um, forwarding. On the other hand, um, somebody might want to do um, segment routing based um, traffic engineering. And there are several different ways of achieving that nowadays. Um, what someone might do is um, have a completely hard coded path, if you like, where they just um, using manual config on the ingress router, dictating every hop of this um, traffic engineered LSP, or they can 
just state some constraints, um, what's the address of the egress router is, and have um, CSPF do the um, path computation according to those constraints. Like You might want to use admin groups to miss out um, links that have been colored in a certain way or only use links with um, certain other colors and um, so on. And then there are methods whereby a controller can actually impose a um, segment routed traffic engineered path onto the ingress router. One method is um, using BGP. So there's BGP methods um, um, which have been um, created to do this. And another method is using the path computation element um, protocol, which our North Star controller uses in the main. And using that protocol, um, again, the controller can um, dictate the precise path um, that a segment-routed traffic-engineered LSP should follow through the network, the precise um, sequence of labels that denotes that um, path. And then on receipt of the PSET message, the ingress router you know, installs that path in its ribbon fib, so it's ready up and running um, for use by packets to um, travel across the network. Yeah, that's very, very good. And uh, I would say it's, like you said at the beginning, the the, the initial setup is, I think, much simpler to do than uh, than a regular MPLS implementation, I would say. So uh, very good. So if, if our listeners would want to learn more, I know that Juniper has released one of the day one books based on segment routing uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, are there any other resources that you would recommend for listeners? Certainly, um, there's a couple of day one books. Um, one talks about, um, you know, the different types of SIDs. It starts from, um, basics. Um, it talks about, um, how to do shortest path forwarding using um, segment routing MPLS. It talks about, um, how to migrate from LDP to SR shortest path, um, forwarding and it includes, um, configs and, um, router outputs as well. And then there's another book which talks more, um, about the traffic engineering um, side of things and also the North Star um, controller. So they're both um, very good ways of getting into it. So um, somebody who, you know, just knows, um, you know, a few fundamentals of segment routing, they don't have to know much at all, can get up and running um, by reading those books and following the um, lab exercises. Um, and then also there's... Um, the actual IETF drafts, you know, it's definitely worth um, subscribing to the spring um, mailing list in the IETF, for example, um, which is doing a lot of the SR um, MPLS um, work and, um, you know, actually, you know, follow the progress of different um, drafts as they, you know, progress through the IETF as well. Right. Well, Julian, I think we've uh, taken the listeners onto a good journey about what SR can do for their networks and how it will uh, actually uh, do that and how they can configure it. So um, we'd like to thank you very much for uh, joining us here uh, at the Routing Table podcast. And uh, yeah, we hope to uh, maybe see you soon in the future. Yeah, pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, Julian. It was an honor having you. If you're interested in hearing more, subscribe to the podcast. And if you have any suggestions, comments, you want to be on the show or anything else, feel free to reach out. You can reach Rick at rick at routingtable.cloud or myself at melchior at routingtable.cloud. Thanks for listening and see you next time.